0: A lot of these companies will already have have moved forward and, and done their programming. And and then the problem with AI is you know you you hit a button and you you know you say, okay, go. And the computer does its calculations and and there in a way there's not you can't really predict where that's gonna go.
1: This is a podcast called Walk. Talk. Listen. Uh, Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted with today's guest who will introduce herself. Myrna. Thank
0: you so much, Maurice. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, My name is Myrna James, and I have been um, working recently with Hermany Voices. And uh, that is, in fact, as you know how we met I'm um, hosting our monthly Lunch and Learn series, and um, it's just been such a pleasure to work with Hermany Voices and Alicia Fall, the founder there. So I own a magazine and book publishing company. I've had a publishing career for many, many years, starting in Chicago, where I worked for some of the bigger companies, Time Warner and Gannett and... And um, now for 18 years, I've owned my company Blue Line Publishing and primarily spent most of my time publishing a magazine called Apogeo I've also published mm. nine books. Um, but the magazine is really about using data from space mm. to study the Earth and how the Earth changes over time. and and it's used by scientists and ac- academics and people like that. Um, and what that what's happened is that has led me down this path of really, really caring about our planet, about mm-hmm. Mother Earth and about, and then even about nature in general. Um, so there's really two intersections where I'm working right now. I'm mm-hmm. primarily working at this intersection between human health and the health of the planet. Mm -hmm. and how they're interrelated. And um, how our not only our mental health, but our physical health is so, so tied to the health of, of the planet. And, and it's, it goes well beyond getting into nature. But that's a starting point, you know, so going for a walk Mm -hmm. by your river, I have a river here that's literally one block from my place in Denver. And it's just so good for our mental health to get out there and so I'm really studying that and then the second big intersection where I'm working now and this is really more what you'll see on my about me professionally mm-hmm. online is the intersection between emerging technologies like artificial intelligence and oh. blockchain and um and quantum computing and things like that things that are inevitably coming and will impact us in huge ways mm-hmm. The intersection of those emerging technologies and ethics and responsibility—the responsibility of the companies to do things the right way—because mm-hmm. ultimately there is a huge amount at stake right now, based on the programming that so many companies are doing right now within their AI. So those are—that's sort of where my career has led, which I never would have predicted.
1: <laughs> yeah, because tell yeah. tell a bit about what what did you study, and you know what what is your background then.
0: I'm an English major, I'm a publisher, I'm a wordsmith, right? Uh I love words and language Mm -hmm. and finding just the right word and be having, uh, you know, those things. So it's really, it's surprising. It's it's as surprising to me as it is my mother and everyone else (laughs) (laughs) that this is what I'm doing now, yeah. But it's really fantastic because I've been exposed to it over the last 18 years and I've seen it coming. Um, you know, what's happened is the emergence of so much data, big data wasn't even a term when I was started covering this. In fact, the term big data was coined, I think it was by the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And just previous to that, the cover of my magazine said, too much data with a question mark, like in a huge headline, do we have too much data now? Like, what, mm-hmm. what, what are we going to do about this? The computers couldn't even process it for a period of time mm-hmm. there. Um, and so, of course, that's sort of an ebb and flow, but now what we have is data as the biggest commodity and value for mo- a lot of companies around the world, and the question is, how are they using that data? Are they using it in an ethical way? And I, a lot of people have probably seen the Netflix documentaries, um, The Social Dilemma and The Great Hack. Mm -hmm. Both of which are pretty, pretty negative toward Facebook and Google and some of the companies that are really harvesting data about all of us, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whoever uses those, those platforms is, um, is really exposing themselves and I'm doing it as well. Um, But we have to just, I think we should do it with an awareness, a level of awareness that they know a lot about us and uh, we need to be very, very careful about our own privacy and our own you know, issues. So we -hmm. should own our data. There's a lot of legal ramifications and a lot of legal cases up now about people having the right to own their own data and therefore selling it to Facebook, perhaps to sell to someone else as they do. They're selling Mm -hmm. all of our data for free. So there's a lot going on at these intersections.
1: I often talk about in in relation to perspective I translate it into you know you you need to if you are have an ability to speak different languages you understand certain contexts better so also this whole computer world the internet um, you know requires us to to start speaking additional languages and if we can do that then we know what's going on right then you can go much more in depth and then you see the advantages, but you also see maybe some of the challenges or the dangers. Um, so then you're speaking about incorporating it within educational systems as well, so that not only one part of the population has access to that particular data or language and how to yeah. use it. I think so that's
0: is that something
1: important... that your magazine looks at as well?
0: Yes, I love that you asked that. Um, you're exactly right. And one of the things that I'm trying to do (laughs) Mm -hmm. that I, that I'm doing is, is um, I'm actually doing more podcasts these days. And I'm, I've stepped more into the role of journalist Mm -hmm. because I know when I interview people who know the details about these things, and then I kind of push them to put it into layman's terms Mm -hmm. and it's very difficult. And, but I will then try to translate it. Are you saying this? And then Mm -hmm. eventually we get to an explanation, I think that people will understand because I kind of stand in the middle of that, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm not the deep dive technical, I'm not a deep dive technical person, but I do um, understand just enough that I think I can explain it or have them explain it in a way that they can understand. Um, I just interviewed a, a guy named, who goes by Seven, He's it's mm-hmm. Dr. Stephen Waterhouse he's the founder of orchid labs and they are doing a virtual private network mm-hmm. in in new ways they're accepting uh, cryptocurrencies for payment I, I, I not to go into what they do but they it's they're doing vpn in a very new way and it mm-hmm. has to do with blockchain and um, pay as you go and things like that and he's a he's a brilliant you know these these people are just brilliant they're amazing i mm-hmm. love talking to them And so our interview will go live uh, within a few days here. And Mm -hmm. it's just really going to be fascinating for people to learn more about how blockchain works, why they should have a VPN on their own laptop and on their cell phone, Mm -hmm. um, and those types of things. Magazine is called Apogeo Spatial and it's A-P-O-G-E-O-S-P-A-T-I-A-L.com mm-hmm. and that's where those interviews and podcasts are, are living right now as well as the the whole history of content that in the past was more traditional magazine format and now it's both audio as well as text.
1: Hmm. Okay hey a I'd like to ask you a question about artificial intelligence because I, I think that links nicely up with some of the topics that we are going to discuss later on as well. Um, yeah, tell us about you know what your what the issues are there around artificial uh, intelligence.
0: The reason that artificial intelligence is so important right now at this time is because many many companies are claiming to do AI. Um, And a lot of them are are attempting to do so some of them are doing kind of a basic level computer algorithm, which is really machine learning where they're teaching their, their software, how to identify objects from, for example, satellite imagery. They'll teach the algorithm the software that this is the shape of an airplane and then it can tell you without human interaction there are 49 aircraft at this airfield in uh let's say an area of conflict um and and then the, the whole point with ai is that humans don't have to interact with it and you get answers you get mm-hmm. you get information um but there's three different levels of ai and what's happening is there's the possibility that as some of the computers are being trained and the algorithms are being trained, that they're going to um, not have this layer of of doing things the right way and a way it's a layer to protect humanity. Mm. How we are we're kind of going into the territory now of transhuman, transhumanism mm. and how some people want computer chips in people's brains and there will be benefits to that certainly but there also could be huge downsides to that mm-hmm. um so it's it and it's a critical time because in 5 years it will be too late a lot of these companies will already have have moved forward and and done their programming and and then the problem with ai is you know you you hit a button and you you know you say okay go and the computer mm-hmm. does its calculations and and there in a way there's not, you can't really predict where that's gonna go. I work with a few experts in ethics and AI and I bring mm. them in and they're on my team. And I'm, you know, again, I'm not the deep dive expert on this subject, but I know the importance of it and I'm pulling people together to address it.
1: Yeah. And very often it's it's a matter of also asking the right questions, right? So, so it's, I'm really happy to hear that you work on these topics in terms of ethical issues around any development, right? It's not about being scared, but it is about, you know, realizing that uh, everything we, we develop, you know, might have pros and cons and yeah, where are borderlines within certain actions, and uh, yeah, you need to be aware around that. So, well, it's fa- fascinating, fascinating stuff. Um, and it
0: also, it, yeah. it, also um, it also brings up an important point. I think about just mindfulness in general that mm-hmm. we need to be more aware yeah. of of everything, our words, our actions. You know, mm-hmm. I think when we go on when we go on autopilot. You know, which is sort of our own way of reacting to things and to other people. Mm-hmm. We we all tend to judge too much. We all mm-hmm. tend to, um, you know, react instead of responding. You know, mm-hmm. when you really get into some of the personal growth that I've been working on for for years now, you learn the difference, the subtle differences between mm-hmm. responding and reacting and judging versus being discerning right
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and everyone we interact with deserves they deserve to be um not judged but to be you know considered based on their own life experience i love 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 the the theme of your whole podcast here that mm. it's really about honoring people based on their own limited life experience all of us have an absolutely limited life experience mm. and we deserve you know, to be um, everyone deserves to be listened to and heard, right? Based on that and not judged for it. We can't help it that we don't have experience with certain things, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really love that very open hearted and compassionate theme of what you're doing here, too.
1: Maybe it's a good segue to. To go to well, you know that this podcast is a spin-off of 100 mile walk that I have been doing for the last uh, nine years, and this year it will be my tenth. I walk 100 miles or 15 to 20 miles a day to raise awareness about hunger and poverty and and you know uh, issues of injustice. If you would be asked to walk 100 mile in a week, 100 miles in a week, what would be the cause that you would be walking for?
0: Uh, you know, I think in this, at this in, moment in time, it would be to raise awareness for autism. Mm-hmm. But really, the point is, for all people who are different, mm-hmm. and for us to realize that to have compassion for everyone, everyone is different in some way, right? Mm-hmm. We are all different, each and every human being on in the planet, and um, my son is 16 years old and mm-hmm. he has autism mm-hmm. and um, he's also adopted. Um, I, but I feel like the, adop- the autism thing is needs so much more awareness. I think people think, oh yeah, that's, you know, I, I think that's great that people have autism and that there's nothing, you know, I, I don't judge them. People don't think they judge them, right? But I'm telling you that every single day we experience situations where people don't have compassion for people for in particular, you know, I'm, I'm talking about one person here, but in general, the, the most people don't have an open heart toward people who are different. And I know that it's hard. And I know that again, it's, that's maybe their limited life experience. Um, I know immediately when another parent, uh, or another uh, someone else has experience with autistic kids because they totally get him and they tune in mm-hmm. and there's a complete lack of judgment. so awareness around people with differences mm-hmm. to teach them that really deep down we're all the same. He just wants friends. Mm-hmm. he just wants to play you know he just mm-hmm. he just wants and as a parent, I want for him what every parent wants for their child right mm-hmm. to s- establish, Uh, ways that he'll have a a good life and make sure he has a roof over his head and food on the table and which leads to your your activism around uh, poverty and hunger as well Hmm. I think Um, so if I should just keep going on this answer um, about 20 years ago I did a 18 month trip around the world Mm -hmm. by myself with a backpack and I saw and became friends with all kinds of people all over the world. I was not going to a resort on, you know, in Tahiti and going to the beach and having people wait on me. I was not doing that. I was traveling differently. I was staying in hostels and I was meeting the locals and I really, really made friends with all kinds of people. And it was so amazing um, to see people with so little. Mm-hmm material things, so little money, and you know, they have so little food. And yet there's for some people, there was still this deep contentment. Mm -hmm. That was a huge lesson for me, Uh, as a privileged Western woman, you know, it was just a huge lesson that we must appreciate what we have and, and be aware that a lot of people don't have that. And of course, there are people who are not deeply content with, you know, who really, really struggle every day. Um, and I know you do the work with the refugee camps, and I am, you know, that is a life, I can't believe people are there for 15 years, 20 years of their lives, living literally uh, at a refugee camp with, with almost nothing. Yeah. It's, it's really, really a, an important awareness for people to have.
1: thank you for sharing that you, you know, about your traveling around the world. I do think that some kind of um, exposure to other worlds, um, you know, even if you're not able to travel yourself, but going through an experience like, you know, during the, I think two weeks ago, we talked about the ration challenge, um, you know, eating the rations of a of a Syrian refugee who lives in the camp in Lebanon. Yes, it doesn't mean that you know what it is, but you get some kind of glimpse, uh, you know, to, to stand in somebody else's shoes or to listen to uh, a podcast like this where I talk with different people and that share their different experiences. I think that helps to improve understanding, you know, strengthen connection between people. And if you're able to connect people, that's, uh, well, you heard me say this earlier, Um you know, that's the beginning of a dialogue and and if you have a dialogue you know the chances that this world gets a little bit better i think are, are definitely improving um I, mean, I i i would like to ask you you know my experience is when i walk with with people uh, either in person or virtually very often we talk about religion and spirituality and you can have enormous discussions about that you know there is some people think this is different others say well religion and spirituality is kind of the same don't want to go there Um, uh, today I would like to ask a question in terms of um, what do you see uh, around in your community in relation to youth and religion and and or spirituality do you see a change in comparison you know of your generation is it similar Uh, can you maybe share a bit you know um, the
0: only it's, it's kind of weird to say my son is 16 and, um, my nieces and nephews are in their twenties and they are more, um, traditional Catholic Mm -hmm. in their upbringing. Um, I really can't answer that regarding, Mm -hmm. uh, the youth. I can certainly share my own views, but, um, you know, I, I think that it's really wonderful for youth to have some guiding light and something teaching them values. I mean, it's of course, it's coming from their families as well, but to have some kind of guiding light and, and, and belief in a higher power. Um, I do think organized religion, you know, there can be some problems there, obviously, but I really, really myself have studied only since my 30s really studied um different religions Mm -hmm. and i see so many commonalities common threads that i've come to sort of a conclusion for myself Mm -hmm. um about about believing in a higher power i don't doesn't even matter what it's called (laughs) Um, and that you know that it's it's, there is a divine presence and, and that, but we all as humans have that in us as well. That's what I believe. I don't, you know, I really think it's important that we understand that we ourselves, uh, human as humans, we are flawed and we are humans, of course, and we're limited in our life experience, but we are divine beings. And that's like a really hard thing for that. For me, I should speak only for myself. It was really hard for me to digest that point Hmm. that that i could be um and but i think it's really important because and and and, but then i i I think that of every human being every living human being in the world i believe that so it's not something something i'm saying is only about me Hmm. um so i see you know i i look for and i see that divine light in other people and um and that's part of this not judging but going to compassion and curiosity about other people initially and discerning instead of being judged you know judging others and believe me it's a work in progress you know this is not easy the autopilot is still mm-hmm. you know oh what is that person doing what you know that's it's the autopilot is tough I mean one of my spiritual teachers said five years ago autopilot will kill you mm. and I'm like She's right. <laughs> you know we have to learn to be mindful and learn to shift our autopilot um, way of being, which really um, I mean to get into what that really means is in a, in, a, in a sentence, I believe that um, most of us because because we are humans are flawed and our parents were mm-hmm. flawed, most children um, have some sort of trauma as children, whether it's mild or severe. And we adapt our behavior so that we don't feel the pain of that. Mm. And then that adapted behavior as adults is not healthy for us. So when we continue that, and that's what I consider autopilot, my mm. my autopilot is this adapted behavior that served me as a child, but as an adult, it's not healthy. And for most of us, it causes our personal relationships, especially uh, with a partner, to be very challenging. Mm-hmm. And then we can dive in and try to heal all of that, right? We can, um, and there's lots of ways to do that. So when I talk about autopilot, I'm talking about sort of just going to this like automatic reactive thing where our ego is in the way and we're Mm -hmm. trying to just protect ourselves instead of letting the ego go down and opening our heart and Mm -hmm. seeing the other human as another divine being Hmm. who deserves compassion, whatever their situation is. There's a there's a new movie out. It's um Gabor Mate. He's mm. just such an incredible um he's a he was a physician for many, many years, and now he's a therapist. And his new movie is called The Wisdom of Trauma. Mm. And his point is that we are not, people who have gone through trauma, Uh, it's the point is of what it does to us on the inside that has to be healed before we can actually be a better person. Um, Somewhere I have my quote from that, my notes here. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Every human being has a true genuine authentic self and the trauma is that disconnection from the authentic self and the healing of that is the reconnection trauma is not what happened to you it's what happened inside you as a result of what happened to you so it has to we have to be healed from the inside mm-hmm. but if someone is traumatized you know and not able to heal that and if we don't, if others don't have compassion for that internal wound of that person, um, that's that's when we get in trouble, and and they stay in cycles of trauma or addiction or things mm. like that.
1: You, you, when I listen to you and and tell me if I'm wrong. You, you worry a lot about your know, mental health of people. There's um, two questions around it. Is, is, is that correct? Do I listen, you know, did I hear that correct? Uh, one, and then second is, um, what are some of the other things that you worry about?
0: Yes, I th- that is correct, I suppose, right? It's come out um, and it's really around To be honest, my own divorce process. When I went through a divorce, Mm -hmm. I had to figure out what happened. (laughs) How am I culpable? What did I do? Why, you know, everybody's in pain here in this whole situation. It's very, very difficult. And I had to figure that out. So that that was the beginning of my, I mean, I certainly did a huge amount of work on myself prior to that, Mm -hmm. especially during my trip around the world. But after coming back and getting married and then divorced, I really, really... Um, had to to heal my own trauma, right, mm-hmm. and figure that out. And it's a beautiful thing when you come through that to the other yeah. side. So yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, what else do I worry about? You know, I think I've already talked about the uh, autism, I think because of the age of my son and mm-hmm. his difficulties in traditional school. Yeah. And with all the non-traditional schooling we just went through with online school for the mm-hmm. kids i mean i think that at this moment in time i would not have said this 2 years ago but at this moment in time you know the the schools and the kids i think we're all really suffering having not been able to be together because of the the way that they, the the response to the covid-19 situation so um kind of worry about that whole generation of kids (laughs) Mm -hmm. that they are in a way traumatized from all of that Um, and I know that the parents are doing the best they can but there are certain segments of the population who have really really struggled Mm -hmm. with having kids at home and needing to work and not being able to put food on the table because they can't make all that work Mm -hmm. and and it's really um I really do worry about that kind of thing Um, Mm -hmm. Well, it's just—it's just at this moment, right? Mm-hmm. Again, two no, years totally ago, totally get I it, yeah, be, yeah, yeah.
1: And and where do you still see hope?
0: Well, people like you—I <laughs> <laughs> know you're not looking for that, but it's really um, there's there are so many people who. Who understand what's happening and have solutions and um, and there are so many open-hearted beautiful people out there I mean I, I really I think that um bringing awareness to all these issues is so so important and and um it sounds like on the 100-mile walk, a lot of that is walking and, as it's name for podcast, of course, walking and talking and learning about people, right, and connecting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have some new friends who met on the, Cam- the Camino Trail, you mm-hmm. know, the yeah. yes. Camino Trail in France and Spain. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a similar, it, I think for them, it was so life-changing mm-hmm. to walk the Camino Trail and to um, that. And I liken my trip around the world to that experience for them, that it was yeah. so life-changing and force-correcting, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that there's a lot of ways for us to to have life-changing experiences and to open our hearts and to open our you know, compassion, lines of compassion and understanding mm-hmm. for other people. Um that's that's what's m- most needed. Now, but all, and also in the past, you know, I just think we need to understand each other and we need to understand that we're very, very more alike than we are different.
1: I think it's a lighter question, but a lot of my guests are struggling with, with this question, um, which is kind of funny because I, I, from my perspective, all the questions that I've asked are more difficult, but um, I I like music. And um, so I always ask a a question around music as well. Um, I would like to ask you to mention a song or a piece of music uh, that embodies for a big part of who you are, uh, what you are about. And uh, yeah, which song or piece of music would that be?
0: Absolutely. Michael Franti and his band, Spearhead, is one of the most positive, uplifting, incredible uh, musicians I know. They're just amazing. I have been blessed to see them at Red Rocks here in Denver a few times. I just went last week and last summer, all the concerts were canceled, of course. Everyone was devastated, but I went the year before that. So he released a song, I think it was two summers ago because it was the last Red Rocks. It would have been 2019 and it was about gun violence. Mm-hmm. It's called The Flower. Mm-hmm. And the chorus is the flower in the gun. And, and it goes, We can be the healing. We can be the healing. And it's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. every word is so uh positive and uplifting. And he actually has some, he does the most amazing thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There is a woman I'm so sorry I don't know her name right now. Um, we'll put it in the comments. Okay. She is um, she is someone who a younger woman who he met somewhere along the road on his tours mm-hmm. and they wrote this song together and he took her on tour that year. Oh wow. to sing this song on stage with him. she is uh, she has a disability. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's an arm. Um, a missing arm or fingers—I can't remember exactly—but she is plays the keyboard and mm-hmm. sings, and it's beautiful. So that ever i think every time he's recorded it, it's been a duet with her. And um, what he did at Red Rocks last Sunday night was—he—they um, take the mic into the into the audience and the front rows. Usually, people in wheelchairs, and this young man took the mic and was singing this song i forget what song it was singing it so perfectly that they literally rolled him over and picked him up and put him on stage Mm. and then and the guy was dancing in his wheelchair like he had the moves he had Mm -hmm. the dance moves he was dancing in his wheelchair and they absolutely i mean he was a beautiful singer i'll I'll, i hope that's the launch of that man's musical career Mm. too it was that's what Michael Fronti does. He he doesn't see differences. He's a mm-hmm. six foot eight black man mm-hmm. with huge dreadlocks, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and he he does not see differences. And he, every word of his lyrics are positive and uplifting. Mm. And um, so he's he's my all time favorite. And the song is called "The Flower."
1: Great, great. I will make sure that we add that to the. A Spotify playlist of this podcast so uh, you know that for the, for the be... listeners it's hashtag walk talk listen and all the songs that are picked by my guests are are, um, ah, are on that list that's
0: beautiful That's beautiful. thank yeah. you
1: um Mina we we slowly come to the end of our conversation of today um I have one last uh question or request and that's do you have any last message invitation question for the listeners
0: I, you know, because we're all human and we're all flawed. I, I would just love for us all to reflect on our own kind of knee-jerk reactions and judgments of other people. Let's just try to be more compassionate and and respond more kindly. Like, be kind, right? Be kind to people. Everyone is struggling. Hmm. Even if people never talk about struggling, we, we think they're so their life is so perfect. They're struggling in some way. Right. Be kind. Um, I just I really think that's one of the most important things. And if someone is different, that doesn't mean don't judge them for that. Right. Hmm. Okay. Honor their differences. I love the differences. I, I thrive on it. You know, hmm. so that would be it, I think
1: thank you so much for for uh, your willingness to talk with me today i i really enjoyed it um yeah good luck with everything you do it's it's really interesting i would really encourage people to check out uh the website that we will put in the notes um i think it's very important yeah series of topics that you uh, try to cover through your magazine and other publications so
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Maurice. I really appreciate it. And actually, I'm going to start writing more of my personal writing about this, the other things we've talked about as well. So
1: Great. Looking that forward to that.
0: <laughs> thank you.
1: Good luck. And thank you so much.
0: Thank you. I appreciate
1: Bye-bye. it. Thank you for listening to Walk talk listen please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on facebook or instagram and last but not least i would like to ask your attention to the ration challenge as some guests of the podcast Walk, talk listen together with me and my wife will take the ration challenge and that means we will eat the same rations as a syrian refugee for a week to raise money and save lives and by raising money, and if you support uh, the Russian Challenge, you'll bring emergency food, healthcare, and life saving support to the people who need it most. So, if I could ask you for a big favor, go to slash walk, talk, listen. Then you will find our donation page. And if you can support us or at least share the information, that would be so great. Thank you so much. Russian Challenge USA dot slash walk talk listen